and welcome. Welcome to the Words of Women and Wisdom radio show, streaming live from BBS Radio in California and syndicating to over 100 stations globally, including iHeart, iTunes, and many more. I'm your host, Yvonne E.L. Silver. If we haven't met before, you haven't joined the Words, Women and Wisdom radio show before, what's it all about? It's interviewing women who have risen from typically from tragedy to triumph and now out in the world doing really impactful work, powerful work that deserves sharing. So today I'm going to be joined by my guest, Kohila Sivas. Am I pronouncing your name right, Kohila? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Glad you could join me. So I'll do your formal introduction in just a moment. For those dialing in, why do I do this work? It's really to showcase incredible women. As a Women of Inspiration Award recipient myself in 2018 for the mentorship programs and the work that I do coaching women entrepreneurs who are seeking to flourish, I love supporting other women, expanding the reach, expanding the influence and sharing amazing programs. People that have typically uh, not necessarily had the confidence in the past, to be showcasing their work and putting them in the spotlight. So by way of a formal introduction, Kohila is the creator of the revolutionary math codes method. Sounds fascinating. Definitely want to hear about this. And the meta learning de-stress method. And these are unique systems designed to recover learning loss and demystify learning. Now I tell you, I was not a, an A student. My sister was the, the one who had the studious, quiet nature. I was the adventurous outdoor rebel. And so I did not like being put in a box. I didn't like being in school. So put me on the playground, put me on the PE ground, doing my um, netball and hockey and adventurous gym uh, activities and I was happy but not necessarily studying math I have to say was not my favorite topic so you've taken the blended math hacks that you discovered you must define math and merge them with a coaching methodology and this is transforming struggling students this is so intriguing now these methods are grounded in science they're um, designed for stressed out learners <laughs> i love this um, stressed out learners teaching them how to learn how to learn so fearless learners by success codes this is a proven holistic coaching methodology it's unique and it's a superior alternative to tutoring, which of course is very popular today. You've developed these systems over the past 24 years. My goodness, girl, you don't look, look, look old enough to be working for 24 years yet. Um, with one of over 16, sorry, working one-on-one -on -one with over 1600 students. So she's making a massive difference already. Um, I'm gonna let you share the story of how you were a struggling math student yourself. Mm -hmm. um, now she is a math and learning success coach. She's the fear, uh, she's the host of the From Fear to Fearless show, a reformed tutor, ex-teacher, math interventionist. That's a new uh, description I haven't heard before. Also a number one best-selling author, as um, um, am I, a best-selling author. She's a master NLP practitioner and certified hypnotherapist, as well as being a fearless entrepreneur. And there are some really interesting elements of her life that I'm going to let her share um, since you had um, an interesting growing, um, an interesting time growing up. She's now growing the community of learning success coaches with a mission to serve over well let's have a look here hmm how many million let's have a look 1.5 million students or more by 2035 so today we're going to talk about how everything is solvable so welcome how are things with you today thank you so much that was a long introduction i should have made it shorter <laughs> but thank you for saying all that yes today is amazing every day is good Every day is good. Now, remind me, you're dialing in from whereabouts now in the world? Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver. So we're both in Canada today. I'm in the um, uh, Calgary region, which is at the base of the Rocky Mountains, just north of Montana for our international listeners. So let's dive in and talk a little bit about 
how did this journey get started? Because I know you certainly did not have um, a typical uh, upbringing. So tell me about how this got started, what triggered this love of math, and then we'll dive further into some of your um, experiences as you've evolved some of these phenomenal services. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're amazing. You're Your show is oh, amazing. Well. Thank you. So um, it all started when I moved to Canada at the age of six. I left Sri Lanka um, because we had a war there, so we had to escape. So we came to Canada, but I did not know a word of English at that time. So I was put into school and um, to protect myself, I learned that the best way to do it is to mute myself. So that's the first protection mechanism I installed. So nobody noticed me. I went under the radar and, you know, at home, my dad couldn't take the loss of his life and all the, you know, all the stuff we had back in Sri Lanka. So he started drinking. So my household became an alcoholic household. So -hmm. there was a lot of, you know, verbal abuse um, and, and physical sometimes too, but very hard that you're not good for anything. Yeah. That kind of thing. So that was the, the growing up and this uh, home structure. But uh, on top of it, at the age of 12, uh, you know, I was molested by an adult that I trusted. So that took a turn in my life, besides everything else. So um, I always closed off and I was I was talking to myself a lot more than to the world. You know, I've always during that time, I became a good listener. Mm. I heard everything. I analyzed everything, but I just never said anything back to anyone, you know. So around, you know, late in my 12th year of living in this world, I decided that I would end my life because it was just too much. Just didn't think of moving forward. How can I move forward? So all of the conversations I've had with myself, as I was very good at talking to myself, I had two personality in my, you know, the voices in my head tells me every day you should live because of these reasons, but you should die because of all of these reasons. So, you know, these validation daily battle going back and forth. And of course, one day the voice that said, there's no point in you living one and I did it, but I was, um, was saved at the hospital. So when I came back, well, I already tried to leave. I couldn't leave. So I have to find a way to, figure stuff out. And that's when I kind of um, started putting myself or starting to rethink now I have no escape because I was planning this right for a bit. So then I applied myself in math came into my life. Mm. And that's and you at 12, right? This is you- now 13. Now I'm going into 13. Yeah. So mm. I think it's a lot of conversation. I was always asking a lot of why like that's why I always tell people now too. like if you don't get something just always ask why why are you doing this how you know all the questions you know I was asking more questions than I can ever get answers in the world so Mm -hmm. so when I started applying myself to math before that I would give up everything I was at at a a level of my 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 stories where everything's like nothing's gonna work but something Mm -hmm. in that process of me taking that uh, you know myself trying to get get myself you know um out of this world that experience coming back and there's also one quote i read in my math class because my math class was full of a lot of quotes by a lot of famous people at that time mm-hmm. one of the quotes was uh was from albert einstein which read that it's not that i'm so smart i just stay with my problems longer mm-hmm. beautiful yeah so i started thinking okay i don't have to be smart Okay, so it doesn't mean I, you know, I, I thought I was dumb in math to begin with. So then I started applying myself in math. I needed somewhere to, to, you know, apply myself. Otherwise, my mind was just going crazy. I didn't have anybody to talk to. So when I started doing that, when I started hacking it, when I started spending time, like just like the quote said, it started making sense for me. It mm-hmm. wasn't before. So was there, was there one particular moment, Kohila, that? it sort of clicked that math was the solution? I needed something to be a therapy. Some people go for reading, some people go for walking. You know, for me at that time, I needed to be at school, of course, right? They send me to school. So I need to sit in this class, these classes, which I have to pretend to work or, you know, to look busy. 
So that's what I was doing most of the days. But eventually, when I after that experience of you know trying to kill myself, I was able to start seeing some little movements in math. You know, I kind of started doing. And I also started reading the you know in the beginning of every chapter, um, math uh, chapters. They have a story of who who uh, discovered it or who spent time figuring this out. Okay. But, right. Usually, all the teachers would skip over that and they would just go to the assignment. Yeah. But because I just was so um, was talking to myself, I would read those stories and I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. Look how much time they put in to actually figure this out. It's not just like something somebody's saying this has actually been discovered and it has a purpose. So I started looking at those beautiful stories as well as I was, you know, getting into math. Interesting. How powerful stories are. I mean, as authors and coaches and speakers were out in the world influencing and the stories are the ones that are just so um they just build the emotion it's like listening to a a film score you know where the the music is <laughs> like the the music is fueling what emotion they want you to immerse yourself in to be part of the story and the same thing with language. I obviously you know, focus on language as well. Um, I have my, my, my book, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. And sharing some of the stories, I remember there was one story that I shared and one of my mentees in, my, in the mentoring programs, um, about four years later came back and recited back to me almost word for word the story I had shared about my son giving me this uh, this little leather bracelet mm -hmm. and I was stunned that she'd remembered yes. and that really endorsed for me the power of of story and I don't remember in math classes because I I hated math <laughs> right? I did um I don't remember anyone sharing any of the stories about how it got discovered and um, you know, they, they talked a lot about, you know, the, the building of the pyramids and there, there must have been some, some major math solutions being solved there, but they didn't, they didn't share that element. So how intriguing that that's the piece that really sort of broke through for you. So keep, keep sharing. Then what happened? So when, when you're so quiet and you don't talk to anybody, you have to talk to something like you got to have some kind of dialogue, right? Otherwise your world is so empty. Yeah. So for me, it was those stories. And then I think if you make meaningful, like if we just give somebody a you know Pythagorean theorem, right? It means nothing. Like you're just asking me to memorize some useless formula, right? That's how we bring it into the classrooms. That's mm -hmm. how our lessons begins. How about if we start talking about why we even need it and who discovered all these years of work they put in to discover this. Now you have a hook, right? You have a story behind it. Now the child wants to know, oh, okay, so how do I use it? Why yeah. am I learning it, right? So th those were the things that allowed me to hack math repeatedly. And I just wanted to figure out, okay, why, why is it this way? Why is it not that way? Why am I getting wrong answer this time, but right answer here? So what's the, you know, all these tricks and little things, right? Then I started asking myself, why is it math so hard? Because after doing all of those work and figuring stuff out, I started doing really well in math. I loved it. It was like therapeutic sessions for me. And right. even today, if I'm frustrated, I can sit with math problems for hours. It's mm. where I find relaxing. Wow. Well, it certainly was not relaxing for me. And <laughs> yes, not had, there been, had there been some stories wrapped around why? It was so valuable in life um, and how I was going to potentially use it. Because at the time, I remember, you know, I did like geometry. That was the one thing that was the most appealing to me. Um, but then with the introduction of calculators, it's like, why do I even need to know how to do this? You know, I mean, I don't plan on working in, I, I did work in retail when I was in my teens, but I don't plan on working in retail forever. So I don't need to know how to you know, count backwards and give people the correct change because the, the machine's going to tell me. Um, and so it really didn't seem very practical in life. So I love that you've um, brought that piece forwards. And are they teaching math in a different way in schools now? I mean, obviously I grew up in, London, England. So my school system was different, even though we're you know, all part of the Commonwealth in Canada here. But um, how do they teach math in schools now? Is it different? 
Yeah, they started bringing in in the US Common Core and in Canada a program called Math Makes Sense. Okay. So we're definitely not as um, high standard as UK, right? You know, they, their system is really high, you know, higher math level. Yeah. But what happened with the math, uh, math makes sense and the common core is that they wanted kids to like sort of experiment with different ways of solving it. They wanted to tell students that there's not one way to do stuff. Right. There's multiple ways to come to an answer, which is amazing. That That's really important. Yeah. Math is not that so rigid that there's only one way. There's no other way. There are multiple ways you get to the same answer at the end of the day. You know, you know, that's fine. But the problem is that not all children think that way. To force someone to think a way that they will never think about has become the bad part of introducing that curriculum into this into the school system. Now the kids are like, their brain doesn't even think like that. So yeah. to ask someone something that they cannot think is now forcing them. So they feel like they're stuck and they don't understand math. But it's really, we should only work on what, how do you see it? How can you solve it? Mm. Well, had it had it been presented in that way, I think I would have had a very a very different focus. Um, certainly, when it comes to you know solving math problems, I think um, you know it's so refreshing to see that this is the work that you're doing. Um, certainly, um, you know, there are certain countries in the world, you know, Asia, China, Japan, that, that tend to put a little bit more emphasis on the scholarly aspect of math and science. Um, and, and over in North America, I mean, certainly as I was growing up in school, you know, there were some things that we had choices over when we, when we turned 11 that we could pick our subjects. And math was a core element that you couldn't drop, um, which was for me at that point in time, very disappointing. Um, but I loved language. Mm -hmm. So I was getting my highest marks in English, English Lit. I remember getting a 92 in English Lit and thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I'm so excited and so thrilled to be having such a high score. Um, Little did I know that later on in life, when I went back and, um, you know, after doing 20 years of senior HR work, and then hearing more about the stories when I was working as a, a VP in career transition, that there was going to be lots of people laid off and lots of jobs lost. And then watching how those people, once they had some support to understand, you know, what are my skills? What are my gifts? What are my, uh, my talents? And how do I bring that all together and put it into a new package and apply myself for a new position and then land in this incredible um, job that they would not have had and turning lemon from lemonade to into lemonade. Um, I watched that career transition evolution and that personal growth and realized that coaching was actually a field I was really interested in because I'd always watched you know the before and after programs you know show home uh, decorating um CSI where you're digging into science and looking for a solution to a problem and that's really what coaching is all about is holding that space for the person to do their own best work to solve their own problem but giving them some guidelines and some some parameters if you like so that if you find that they're completely stuck and do not have um, a way to move forwards that you can offer a suggestion from your own experience in life and, and give them some clues on how to find their own best answer. So coaching ended up being something that um, I took a, um, the Royal Roads Executive Coach Program and ended up getting um, uh, you know, hundred percent in, in that test. And uh, it, was, it was so nice to be a, you know, a grade A student. <laughs> So I'm, I'm glad that this work is being expanded into the world. So talk to me a little bit more about how you figured from going from a student loving math into this becoming such a passion that's now become your life's work and your mission to get this out in the world. Mm -hmm. So after graduating, I, I always had this question back in my mind is that why is this subject being taught so, so badly almost, you know? Mm -hmm making it scary for people. It could be so much therapeutical for people. Why not share this way of approaching math? And as you just described coaching, 
I was coaching myself during that process. You know, I was coming out of my uh, depression, anxiety, not wanting to live, not even wanting to take a picture of myself, calling myself ugly, all of this stuff, right? All of that was working. So I was coaching myself through math. So I knew the power the math had when you get that confidence. Everybody say, why do I learn math? But the you know, even though you may not use a lot of it, but your neurological pathways are created when you are challenged by a math problem. And mm-hmm. when you sit with that problem, that's what Albert Einstein said. When you sit with that problem, you will find a way to solve it because you are not thinking about, you know, different pathways to come together to emerge with an answer. So that is the power of math. They said when you're going to be, you know, later on, you're buying a house you're like the mortgage broker says something like, you know, this is how we're going to calculate it. You're not just going to accept their calculation. You're going to ask them, well, hold on a second. How did you get that? Because I'm not getting that. Can you show me that? So, you know, you become this person who can ask questions with confidence. Mm. You know, I bought a house a, a week ago. My, my uh, um, broker sent me a math equation. It didn't make sense to me. The numbers didn't make sense to me. So I asked them, could you explain to me how did you come to that? We had like five people come online to explain to me and they could not come up with it. And eventually, after all of their explanation, I said, oh, this is what you're doing. And they're Mm -hmm. like, they couldn't come up with it. That like one quick thing to say to someone they had said, I'm not kidding. All of these people came on the call to describe to me how they got to this number because I wasn't getting it. But, you know, in mortgage, there's different ways of calculating. There's an equation. So I wasn't going to go and learn all of that. So I said, can you just describe to me? So that's how you become. You can question anybody's number if you're confident with number, right? And that's what I wanted for all the children that I was going to work with. So I went into tutoring right out of high school because I wanted to share all my hacks and everything. And then I I, uh, said, okay, I have to also become a teacher because that's the best place I can make change happen. You know, that's where my uh, students are. So during the tutoring, what I got, what I experienced is a lot of students would come to me. I had one time like 90 students in my portfolio. I had a big business, you know, all of that. So they would come to me, but their idea was that the mindset they came to me was like, you're my homework helper. You're going to do my work and I'm going to take it for marks. No, <laughs> that's like, not no. how it works. <laughs> it's like hiring a cleaner kind of thing, right? Like it was like yeah. hired help. I'm yeah. like, no, that's not what I'm here for. I want you to love math. I want you to get excited about learning. I want you to become, you know, know how to learn to learn. And they were not, they rejected that because I did not have the, the title I had was a tutor. That's why I have a book out called Escape the Tutoring Trap. Escape the Tutoring Trap. Okay. Yes. Because that's, that just doesn't make sense to me because I wanted to share the beauty of math and teach them how to become, you know, confident students and they were not allowing me. And the parents had the similar idea behind it to just do the homework with them. That's what I'm here. Like they're there for, yeah. but I wanted to work on a holistic plan with them. Okay. And and do the homework on their own after they leave me. I want to give information that's enough to do it on your own, kind of, you know, independent learning, right? Yeah. Anyway, so that was happening on one side. And then I entered the, uh, you know, school system as a teacher assistant first. So I worked with all sorts of learning disabilities. And I would break down math to the point like, you know, like tiny, tiny steps for these students. And that's where I started really crafting my methodology because mm-hmm. I had to break it down to like, you know, the miniature step that is possible. And sometimes in, in, in five different ways to explain to a student who may have autism or ADHD or is a Down syndrome or whatever the, you know, condition was, right? Or any learning right. disabilities. <clears throat> so that's how my methodology started developing because I had that, you know, okay, if I could do this with someone with autism, why don't I just take the same way and apply to a regular students, we call it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is the same thing. So it started working really well when I started doing that with our regular, we call them regular students, but everybody has, you know. So um, that's how my methodology started developing. Then I got into the classroom. The problem with the classroom is that I I couldn't do the work I wanted to do in, the, in that environment. Mm. It's almost like being in the, you know, being a realtor, 
And then you're bound by so many rules and regulations that perhaps that isn't the route that you um, will have your best experience if you want to be investing in real estate and having rental properties, for example, because when there are so many rules and regulations and you know that there is a, a simpler, faster, more impactful way, it really does speak to, I just got to get out there and take this to the world myself, right? That's where, you know, entrepreneurialism really shines is when there's a specific issue and problem and women are so great at identifying, hey, there's a problem here and traditional methods are just not solving it. So I'm going to take this to the market and I'm going to create my own niche around it. So I'm thrilled that your work has been getting out to so many lives and making such a difference now. So what's been evolving over the past 10 years in inside the business? You took that to market and then what? Yeah, so at, at about 11 years ago is when I said, I'm not doing tutoring anymore. I'm not going to be a teacher anymore because mm-hmm. the environment was uh, not working for my students. I was failing more students than I was helping. So wow. I wasn't going to trade because the classroom doesn't allow you to do that because there's so many different learning styles, yeah. uh, learning abilities. You're not going to deliver to, you know, in a one side fits all model, right? It doesn't happen. Wow. So it, I wasn't going to trade a little paycheck for that rest of my life. It wasn't going to satisfy me. So I said, I have to do something else. So that's when I revamped. That's when you, you know, power of mentoring and coaching and they look at your life and say, what are you doing? You're serving from an empty cup. You better wake up. They shake you, right? And, and I was like a crazy woman. I was divorced at that time. I was running around with my little boy. And, you know, he was at my office late in the evenings because I had to do the tutoring and all that. So he one day said, you know, mom, is it any way possible that we can eat dinner at home? Oh, like, oh. I never do any of that. And can That's I go to bed? A living moment, right? <laughs> So he's so little, he's asking me, he wasn't complaining. He just said, is there any way we can do it? So I had to wake up. And as I said, I had, of course, you need mentors and coaches to see from externally what you're doing, right? And they, you know, I was able to revamp everything, remodel everything. I said, no more working as a tutor. I changed my title to learning success coach as I was evolving into that anyway, uh, over the years. And then I actually moved all of my business. It didn't matter who's going to drop off or who's going to stay with me. I said, I'm going to change all of you to online coaching. Right. That's it. Because I want to stay with my son and eat at home. You know, so some people left, but to my surprise, many people, because at that time I had over 80 students, many of them stayed, Mm -hmm. many of them stayed. So that was a blessing. And that's how I started online. So when COVID hit, I didn't move anywhere. This is the space I worked in. This is already set up. I was working all over the world. I have students in Ireland, Malaysia, Singapore, all over the world. I just continued as it was a normal day. So I was, I always tell people I I had the blessing as if it was, you know, COVID proofed. Yeah. So I'm curious, how do your students hear about you? Word of mouth. Mm -hmm. When you deliver powerful, service you don't have to talk about it yeah. your students will talk about it I have students who are in university they they are actually mothers now some of my students have their own kids yep. and they still send me students if someone's asked like sometimes I'm on Facebook or somebody says who can I ask for math help it's like Kohila yeah are they are the um is the work that you do right now, is it still very much one-on-one or are you moving to different types of groups or how are you expanding? Because this is a this is something that deserves not to be a secret, right? Mm-hmm. So how are you expanding and scaling up the of- offerings so that it touches more lives? Yes. So in last March, I had an opportunity as, a, as after the COVID, I was uh, booming with my business. There was a lot of people asking to work. It was only me. So I said, you know, what can I do? I can hire t- teachers mm-hmm. and hire them under my methodology and make them employees. Yep. Or I can give them, train them and empower them to be learning success coaches in their own business. Right. So I decided to empower the teachers. Excellent. 
So how many coaches are on your, are, are trained now in your methodology? There's about 80, I have a board here, there's about close to 80 coaches since then. In, in gone through my program and most, a lot of the teachers that who have started last year, they have quit their job in the school system. Mm-hmm. And the only thing they do is the coaching. But what I have done is I have expanded not just for math. My coaching methodology actually works in all subjects. It's a learning to learn model. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. So now all the coaches are not just math. They are English, science. It doesn't matter what you're teaching. Subject is just a vehicle. It's the coaching that makes the transformation for the student. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the students saying about how this has changed their perspective on both learning complex tasks and you know certainly when it started obviously the focus was on math but what do the students say in the way of feedback they feel hurt they feel respected yeah yeah there's a person who is by their side who's called the learning success coach who coaches them to achieve anything they want and there's no one fits all we're going to put you into this model you know mold and you're going to come out like this. It's not. It's good. It's unique as they are. We customize everything to the child. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I couldn't have, you know, you said, how do you expand? I could have expanded by putting out an online program, but that does nothing. It's just another program that kids don't need that. They need interaction. They need somebody they can trust. They need, I wanted the person I wanted to talk to when I, you know, decided to end my life. I wanted a learning success coach. If I had a learning success coach beside me, I wouldn't have done that. I didn't have anybody to talk to. Nobody li- took the time to listen to me. Mm. I told them, right? So that's what I want to create. That's beautiful. And it's so badly needed right now. I mean, I was listening to another um, recording. I'm actually um, certified in a communications uh, methodology called Bank. And the founder for the organization was sharing some statistics just recently in a webinar talking about how um, one, um, it was 30, uh, 30%, I'm going to make sure I quote this accurately, 30% of uh, teenagers, so this would be between um, ages 9 and 15, had thought about, or actually it was one fifth, one fifth had thought about committing suicide. And then it was a, um, a, a huge number. Actually, I'm not going to quote it. I'm going to get the right number for my next show, but it was a huge number. I'll put it in the show notes um, that had attempted suicide. And I believe too that, you know, with the power of communications, the way that social media has now entered our lives in such a big way and you know the the things that used to happen when I was in school you know if you had a bully it was a physical bully Mm -hmm. Um, we didn't have social media bullying as well and then the power that that adds to the problem because if if someone is going to um take take someone else and and charge them there's got to be some evidence well no one wants that evidence to be hanging around on the internet and being shared and continue to 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 be expanded I mean it's awkward it's embarrassing and those are some of the things that lead into bigger communications issues and when people don't feel heard and respected as you said that's when things can take a an interesting turn and so I am thrilled that there was one thing in life that was so powerful to pull you back from the brink and to do the work that you're doing today oh getting goosebumps <laughs> powerful so is there one particular story Kahila um one particular student that really stands out for you I know that they are because you deal one-on-one every single one of them is special is there one particular story that really endorses the value of the work you're doing there so many of them but one 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 of my students made a card for me one year and uh, she knew I like these gel pens you know and uh, so she brought me a pack of those because we were in person so she but, but then she made this beautiful card and it said that it's not that you taught me how to solve for vertex 
in math or how to do the parabola. That's that that's not what it really done for me. It actually helped me find this inner confidence that I didn't even know I was missing. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, she wrote it so beautifully. And she said <clears throat> that knowing that giving up is never an option in anything. And you finally helped me conquer my biggest fear in math. And she got A in math, finally, the biggest fear in her math. So she wrote that handmade the card. I still have it. If I ever feel like anything, you know, down on one day, I just have to read that card and I'm back in business. You know, oh, it's so powerful. I still have, still have some of her gel pens too, but it's just, it was so touching to her, you know, because she tried so hard with math. It wasn't her, it was in the math. It was the environment. It was the instruction. It was the guidance. None mm -hmm. of this was working for her. The finally, when she met someone who was able to customize and personalize and see her yeah. strengths first before yeah. weaknesses, it all changed for her. Right. Well, I am such a huge believer that we focus on the positive. Um, part of the work that I do with my women entrepreneurs, a lot of times, you know, they spend a lot of time in meetings, right? They're negotiating, they're growing, they're expanding. Um, they're, they're in sales meetings, they're in team meetings. Um, even a simple switch up, such as using appreciative inquiry, for example. Um, for the listeners, if you're not familiar with that concept, um, David Cooper Ryder did the original work around this and came up with four questions. And it's really about, instead of going into a, uh, a meeting and saying, well, you know, why is this not working? Or really put the emphasis on, you know, what's, not, what's happened this week that's, you know, upset clients or what problems are we trying to solve today? Going into it and, and reversing that. So appreciating what is working and then inquiring into how could it be better? So it's uh, two questions that I use all the time in my work is what's working really well already? And then we talk about that piece and we celebrate that. And sometimes from that, there is a piece that says, mm, you know, it could have worked better if, or we had this other thing pop up, which we didn't imagine. Um, and then the second question is, and how could it be even better? Hmm. And so when we ask those two questions, we're starting from this place of energetic, positive energy. And it doesn't tend to sort of drag people down this path of negativity. Um, super powerful concept. And having the, the power of the words, that's the work that I'm passionate about. Math is your original starting point. For me, it was about language. And mm -hmm. that came about because when I was 11, right, we both had things happening around 11, 12. Um, my dad came um, came uh, to the door as my results for my 11 plus exam came through. And in England, that was an exam that told your parents, you were either going to grammar school where the smart kids went or secondary school where the not so smart kids went. And my sister was already in grammar school. So she sort of set the, the standard there. And my dad very heavily relied on um, scores and marks and numbers. He was actually a, um, a stock controller. So numbers were his, his expertise. Um, so he, he rips open the envelope. He's all excited uh, to see my results. And then his eyes go black, face goes beat red. And he screams at me, you failed. You will never, ever be successful in life. Mm. And storms up, rips out, rips out the results. And he walked out. And I'm just about to go into high school. I also ended up being so stunned by that I mean he had PTSD he came back from World War II he got a bullet in Dunkirk so we knew that he was a very angry um, angry man and um, had these outbursts but that was you know just sort of the final piece for me and I ended up going through high school not speaking very much mm -hmm. I was very quiet they thought I was you know kind of snooty because I didn't say a whole lot and and it was more that I lost my voice because I was scared to speak up and be wrong um, and be criticized. <laughs> he criticized the dignity right out of my mom. And she became this shell of the professional woman that she had been when he first met her. He took the car keys, wouldn't let her drive the car, even though she taught him how to drive and really took away her power. Mm -hmm. So now for me, the power is in our words. And when I wrote the book, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Bondar of Confident Conversations, 
I thought that at that time it was teaching people one or two words and that was going to be the shift. And then realized by the time I got to the end of the book and writing it, that it was actually a reflection. The language we use is a reflection of how we feel about ourselves inside and that there was some deeper coaching work that would be a really nice complement to the work I was doing on the surface, which was, you know, okay, so we shift one word. We go from should to could. So it's not, we're not having this energy of uh, obligation. I should be doing something to please someone else, but I could be doing it for myself. I could have this energy of lightness and possibility. Yeah, I can teach people those techniques. How about the other things, though, that are causing you to say, I should do this and I should do this and I should do this? How do we shift that so that you really step into your power? And that's the work that I'm passionate about. So two of the core subjects in, uh, subjects in school, math and English. <laughs> yes, yes, we're both on. Yeah, but they both they both do come together, though. I do believe in that. And uh, I was just going to add, everybody talks about mindset. Because but yeah. when you say mindset, a lot of people like, get positive mindset. But we don't really tell how that is going to happen. It only mm-hmm. happens if you can shift your stories. Mm-hmm. You got to start with your mind stories first and shift them. And, you know, wherever they are is how your mindset is going to be the result of it. So right. in my methodology, I take my students back because a lot of the students don't ever know how to create positive mindset. It's just a word, right? Mm-hmm. How do I do that? Tell me more. Yeah. Then you have to listen to them. What are they t- telling themselves? Yeah. Absolutely. And so many of these things, as you and I both know, you know, we've done a lot of our own personal development growth work over a number of years. Um, It does come back to those early childhood experiences. And, you know, working with some clients right now that that deal with, um, you know, trauma and emotional expression. And we start, you know, pulling apart some of those um, beliefs that were caused, you know, because of what I experienced here that led me to create this belief, this story that I am X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. Um, and therefore, dot, 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 this is my perspective on life. And you, we go through life carrying that. Um, there are just so many stories that can be shared around that powerful stories of shift. And one of the things I really, um, you know, caught onto when you were talking earlier on about teaching um, Need, uh, special needs children right whether it's autism or whatever it might be um my son it's so telling you know out of the out of the words out of the mouths of babes um my son was part of an exercise that i did a while ago mm-hmm. and it was you know ask your clients ask your colleagues ask your family ask about 30 people around you to sum you up in five words or less and what came out of his mouth when i asked him mm-hmm how he would describe me was first thing he said was hardworking. And then he said, um, um, hardworking, loving. And there was a few other things. Uh, sexy was in there. I thought well, that's weird as I'm, you know, <laughs> my son is describing me that way, but it really struck me that the first word that came out was hardworking. And the second word was loving. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's out of my, my son's mouth. We got to change things up there so that he's feeling that the very sort of first word that comes out when he's thinking about his mom is loving. It's not, it's not hardworking. (laughs) So those messages, those kids, yeah, they really will just tell us straight up how things need to shift, won't they? Yeah. We just need to um, create that environment for them to open up. Yeah, absolutely. So so you're dealing with now with um, a number of different characters, obviously, different experience levels. Um, people that sound like majority of them are uh, previously teachers and are now moving into your methodology as learning success coaches. So as a female entrepreneur, I'm intrigued to learn what your perspective is on how do women approach business differently than men and what have been some of the keys to your own success do you think in that regard Hmm. it's a very good question so women tend to be very cautious (laughs) you Mm. know we're working with now close to I think majority of my um, learning success coaches are women because teaching profession by you know largely is women Um, 
they do have a lot of hesitation in changing things, you know, so that's why right off my, you know, eight weeks training program for the teachers, um, the first one is on mindset, and mm -hmm. that is, goes directly to the mind stories, because uh, if you constantly tell yourself you cannot do anything besides finding job in the school system because you know we are told from a young age find a secure job stick to it until retirement right yeah so they're going against that so it takes a lot of uh you know um shifting and the belief system has to shift in mm -hmm. order to do that so I do work a lot with that so I think that's the biggest thing with women is that when they get that shift they're so strong Mm. men are different in that way right they just go for it kind of maybe they think too but I think their thinking is slightly um, maybe shorter <laughs> women have <laughs> longer uh, you know planning out uh, you know shifting that happens but that's why I knew the first thing I have to put into my learning portal was about mind shifting because there's no way they can become an entrepreneur and a business owner and leave a secure job even though they are you know the thing that what really inspired me to help the teachers is that these are passionate teachers ready to leave teaching profession. Mm. Amazing teachers who love their students. Right. The, the environment doesn't support them and they were ready to leave. So that's why I, I, I feel like the work I'm doing is I'm stopping them from leaving. Some people say that you're taking teachers out of the school system, but I'm not. I'm actually stopping these teachers from going into maybe, you know, other professions. They want to leave. They don't like the system anymore. So if somebody, mm -hmm. you know, something has to be done to stop them. Now, these teachers are working with the students, which is what they love, you know, mm -hmm. in a better environment. So I think as an entrepreneur, the struggle for me has been, um, again, the childhood stuff does come back. When mm -hmm. you are trying to leave that, uh, you know, you you're usually in your own place of doing your own thing it becomes a routine and when you adjust that and you you go to another growth you have to always pass through your fear zone right it's like you're in the comfort zone you're pushing past it and you're going to have all these excuses all the stories will come up and those tend to stem from your childhood experiences who are, who am I to take say this right because I was a girl who never had a voice one time in my life right why would they listen to you which comes from, you know, and my dad, like your dad was very hard on me, like even to this day, like one of the things I want to have is my dad be proud of me. He's still not proud of me, but mm. it doesn't bother me though. Right. It doesn't yeah. bother me anymore. We can't, we can't make somebody else <clears throat> feel a certain way. Exactly. But what we can do is choose how we're going to respond to how they react. Yeah, but as a, you know, as a growing up, being a young girl at that time, you always told yourself, I wish you were proud of me, or I, yeah. I one day, I hope you you will be proud of me. And I think that day will come, but it's yeah. not there yet for me. But that doesn't stop me from doing anything. You know, I just think that he's not paying attention to me, and he will pay attention to me one day. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's, uh, that also leads me into thinking about um, you know, one of the core things is, you know, how do women entrepreneurs measure success, right? For you, you know, one of the core things was being able to have supper with your son, right? At a, at a, at a reasonable time, you know, that's the measure of success. I've got my, my schedule, my timetable, I've got it figured out where I am giving people service, but it's, it's also um, in harmony. And it's not even balance anymore. It's harmony with um what I'm trying to achieve so you know for some people it could be a dollar value for other people it could be an impact value for other people it could be um you know the fact that they're working two days a week and making just as much as they did when they were working seven days a week you know um different things equal success and part of the work that I do with with my clients as you know women entrepreneurs seeking to flourish um is always that definition what does success look like for you what is it that we're wanting to create? And then we'll work backwards from that success benchmark and figure out how we're going to get there. So it's about you know, closing the gap. Um, confidence, you know, how do people get com more confident? You know, certainly when you, when you know that you have the capability to solve almost any problem, 
let's take out almost, to solve any problem, that does give you confidence. And when you've done something that you never in a million years thought you were going to be able to do, and you've achieved and accomplished it, and you look back and you say, wow, in my case, it was climbing up, you know, climbing up um, Namkuska, <laughs> you know, climbing the mountain in five mm. stages. I never realized that I had the capability to you know, actually reach the top of that plateau and look down from the top. And that was part of a, a warrior camp, weekend activity and personal growth and expansion. Mm-hmm. And my legs were so numb by the time I got to the second level, let alone the third and the fourth, and then finally reaching the fifth. However, it was a team activity that we were part of. So we had as a team to collectively get each other up there. And one of the people on our team, uh, Kohila, had um, his leg in the cast. So he was on crutches. So we had to get him up the mountain as well. And looking at back and thinking, wow, I never imagined I had the power in my body to actually do that. It's, um, yeah, resilience and challenge. It's not the, it's not when we have the easy ride. It's when we go through that challenge and we realize and we stretch and we grow and expand that that uh, helps our, our resilience, helps our problem solving. And it does fuel into our confidence. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you've been able to join me today. I want to make sure listeners have a way to stay in touch with you. So um, is there something that you want to share? Do you have like a free gift or something that will keep people connected with you because you're doing such powerful work? I want to really encourage and foster that connection for you and for our audience. Yes. So I have a book coming out on March 20th. Woohoo! It's called the the Teacher's Epic Exit Plan. Teacher's Epic Exit Plan. Okay, great. So it's a book that's launching on the March 20th. They can find that on Amazon. Uh, You know, the Kindle version is available too. And, uh, you know, that would give a teacher who's struggling and, you know, in that mindset of, I, I I don't know what to do this is where they are at right now right a lot of teachers because since the COVID we just moved on in the system nothing has ever happened yeah they have put the teachers in the place to teach kids who are like at least three years behind in every single subject wow wow okay so So, teachers epic exit plan it's for teachers yeah, but because I have so many coaches now, I, I am now exiting from being a coach myself, working directly with my students. This is my last year. I've told many of my students, a lot yeah. of them are graduating, which is really good. So yeah. now my mission is to make sure that all my teachers have a foot, full portfolio of students. And that's why, you know, I want to, you know, this podcast, this radio show or shows, wherever I go, I will be talking about my learning success coaches. These are amazing teachers who have the heart to serve, but not the environment to do it. But they took that leap to create that environment for them and for their students. So our our certified learning success coaches are amazing. You know, if you have a child who is, it doesn't matter what do they have. It's not about what do they diagnose that or what label they have. We don't care about that. We just want to create an individualized, customized plan for that particular child and serve them so they have a choice and a voice. A choice and a voice. Love it. I am so thrilled that you were able to join me today and share more about the story how you came to the work that you're doing, the impact that you're making globally. Um, I don't know what a full roster would look like for each of your learning success coaches, but look at the impact and the ripple that you're creating. And I'm sure the launch of your book will be a um, a powerful attractor, attractor for other teachers who are same frustrated in that same system to be wanting to join your team so I see massive expansion in your future that's my fortune telling coming up thank you but I wanted to leave with the gift is that our our coaches always give a 45 minute a clarity coaching call as a mm-hmm. gift to the parents because we want the parents to make informed decision when it comes to their child and who do they choose to work with. So they go through how they work and what learning success coach does, because obviously um, this is a new, uh, new title, right? Learning success coach is something that is came along and through my journey of being here. Um, So what is the difference between a tutoring and a learning success coach. Parents have a hard time understanding that. So we do offer this 45-minute free coaching call. They can uh, 
get that access to that at our website, uh, which is learningsuccessacademy.com. LearningSuccessAcademy.com. Yeah. Okay. Parents are listening. It's absolutely free, and you will go. Uh, you will leave with clarity. Like, what's the next step for your child? You have- Excellent. Well, what I love about this is you're a coach. I'm a coach, but we're completely different, working in completely different spaces. Your focus is very much on the the students and their success. My focus is on women entrepreneurs who are seeking to flourish. So if that sounds like you and you want to get connected or pick up a copy of uh, my best-selling book, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations, you can learn more about the work that I'm doing too at uh, yvonnesilva.com. The book is out on Amazon. It's also on Audible, uh, sorry, not Audible, or Sound, um, A-W-E-S-O-U-N-D as an audio book. And it's also available in ebook format as well so reach out stay in touch Kohila thank you so much for joining me I have just loved hearing your story and what has transpired from that and wish you every success with the launch of your new book and the expansion of your business thank Thank you for joining me thank you thank you for having me enjoy everybody and there will be a replay of this show so if something Kohila said really struck with you and you want to re-listen go to bbsradio.com at pick up the words women and wisdom radio show go back to the bottom page of the archives and you will see this being listed again as a replay in just a few days thank you for joining me today Kohila have a beautiful week bye for now everybody ladies a new book is on the horizon Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. This new book is for women ready to rediscover their inner confidence, take a stand for themselves in life and business by using more powerful language. Words are so powerful and already changed history. On October 5th, The New York Times published a story detailing decades of allegations of sexual harassment against film producer Harvey Weinstein. And numerous women in the entertainment industry found the courage to go public, banding together with a powerful voice that change is long overdue. Even Oprah Winfrey, television network icon, gave a rousing speech at the Golden Globe Awards in January. The media has showcased the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. The Me Too movement is flourishing and all signaling it's time for women's equality and change. I believe it's time to give women the verbal agility to create more confident conversations. Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations is the book which provides practical approaches for women to ask for what we really want and receive our request. Hello, I'm Yvonne Silver, Certified Executive Coach and Senior HR Professional, seasoned in business. I teach women to flourish in business by using more confident language to help empower and engage others. This book is the result of over 35 years of my career, professional career, working in four different countries. I've interviewed over 6,000 people in my career for job interviews, executive coaching, for sales and consulting conversations. And I've listened to hundreds of women in particular who are looking for a better way to collaborate. They're looking to be uh, asking for what they really want and heard and validated, especially in business. And women often earn less than men for doing exactly the same job. It's 2018. It's time for change. The modern art of confident conversations explores words we use at home, at work, words that trip us up, elevate us and encourage us, and when no words are even required. It is about how to leverage the power of words in a positive, in a collaborative and impactful way. Now I work with women entrepreneurs and leaders who are empowering other women and leading through mentorship programs and my coaching, public speaking, interviews and writing. I'm passionate about women's equality. Why? I grew up in England in a house with a flow of negative comments from my father which destroyed my mum's dignity. 
until she became an empty shell of the vibrant woman she'd once been, belittled by constant criticism and questioning of her abilities. Through my own life journey and supporting hundreds of female clients, I've discovered critical words to ask to get what we really want collaboratively. I know there are critical links between our language, our behavior, our mindset, and our success in life. Words from a song can replay in our head for hours and poetry can bring a lump in our throats. I've combined my insights with interviews from influential women, sharing their pearls of wisdom, supplemented with research and reference studies from established scholars. Women are rising up. It's time for women to be heard. Let's use more powerful, positive language and join the rising tide of change. This book is for you, a woman looking to the future, ready to embrace significant positive changes in your life by using more confident language. Eliminate those words that drain your power, add words that energize and invigorate and shift from ordinary to extraordinary. Just one word can change your life. I believe every woman needs their own copy of this powerful book. It's time for action and time for change. Order and reserve your own copy of Words, Women and Wisdom today.